0: Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: The following is a GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street production. You've discovered your link to GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat Powercat Breaking Podcast, presented by 24-7 Sports, and it starts right now. Now, let's go to the WTC Gig-Powered Studios. Here's your host, GoPowerCat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald.
2: Welcome to a special breaking edition of the PowerCat podcast brought to you from the WTC Gig-Powered Studios in downtown Manhattan, Kansas. As we've reported at GoPowerCat.com, it appears... Appears that Scotty Hazleton will be departing as Kansas State's defensive coordinator and assuming the same position at Michigan State. It is not a done deal. We have not reported it's a done deal, but it's darn close. It's on the table, an offer that Kellis Robinette of the Wichita Eagle has now confirmed, something we were told, that the offer from Michigan State is in excess of $1 million a year. Which would be nearly double what Hazelton is paid at Kansas State. The offer is on the table. It has not, as of now, been accepted by Scotty Hazelton, and we'll have a lot more on that. But I got to tell you, it sure does look like Scotty Hazelton will be departing Kansas State. After one year and heading to Michigan State, we will continue to monitor this story at GoPowerCad.com. But for now, let's break down what's going on and what could happen. I am Tim Fitzgerald, publisher, joined by Riley Gates, who uh, had the story today about Scotty Hazelton possibly going to Michigan State. Wow, uh, we just had Scotty Hazelton in our video studio, <laughs> yeah. and we will have sound bites from that as we did a power chat with Scotty, an hour long discussion in two parts concerning his first year at Kansas State and everything that went right. And we've have got a lot of information to hand off here, but I, I got to tell you, let's just get started here with a sound bite from Scotty before we dive in. And this is about how happy he and his family are in Manhattan, Kansas.
3: Let's let, let be real. I, in this profession, everybody does, you know. Yeah. It's, you know. So we, oh yeah, we joke all in our room all the time. How long do you think we can stay together? I don't know. You know <laughs> I mean, how long is this room going to be? This room? Who knows? You know. Yeah. But uh, but I know this. Uh, you know, for me, for me, it's you know, I I work and I go home and I work and I go home and the, and and the guys on the team, you know, if they're good dudes, you like being around them. Mm-hmm. The guys that you work with in your room are really cool. Um, but my family, they 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 enjoy it here a ton. You know, it's a bigger town than what we lived in in Laramie. You, you know, it's got everything you need. It's a, it's a town that, 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 accepted them completely. The community did, you know, they, you know, we move into a house and there's friends, you know, boys, go, go play with those two kids over there. Mm-hmm. They're good. Yeah. And it's a good family lives by us, you know, and, and they have a great time. So, I mean, it's, it's been a really good move for, for the family. And, you know, you know, if they're happy, then it, it makes it easier to, Makes it easier to do your job and stay at work longer. Doesn't matter what profession you're in. That's that's very true. That's true.
2: This happened quickly, Riley. This really popped up uh, out of nowhere as this strange hiring of Mel Tucker at an odd time at Michigan State. Of course, Mark D'Antonio stepped aside, retired at Michigan State, uh, you know, right after signing day. Kind of an awkward situation that went down there. Mel Tucker steps in, comes from Colorado, leaves Colorado high and dry, and now he's got to put together a staff. He retained some people, but he wanted his own defensive coordinator and the job Scotty Hazleton did in his one year in Manhattan, Kansas certainly must have turned heads because they went after him and went after him hard
4: impressive as hell i mean honestly it, it's just you we, we saw k-state's defense at the top of the big 12 and scoring defense really the you know they were number two just behind baylor they were number two in passing defense just behind uh, tcu i believe is who it was this defense was on another level they were aggressive they didn't sit back they didn't give you the 10 yard cushion that we've come so accustomed to seeing at K-State and Scotty Hazleton was a big reason for that. I thought he was phenomenal at so many things. Most of all, I thought his game plan was top-notch. I thought he was so, so good at not sticking to his guns all the time and, and saying, well, this is what I like to do, so this is how we're going to do it. I thought Scotty Hazelton was really good at saying, this is what that other team does, here's how we're going to stop it. And I think the results showed. I, I don't think K-State goes 8-4 and four in the regular season without Scotty Hazelton.
2: I agree. He did a marvelous job of taking the talent he inherited from the Bill Snyder staff and remolding it into a more aggressive defense than what we've seen in Manhattan in a long time. And the results were obvious. In the overall specter of college football, the numbers aren't overwhelming. But when you talk about Kansas State, they certainly popped out. Our D. Scott Fritchin recently did a breakdown of some of the top numbers that came out of this 2019 Kansas State football season and of course a lot of them were on defense and let's tick through those right now passing efficiency defense K-State ranked 46th in the FBS but it was K-State's best pass efficiency defense since 2013 total defense 44th in the FBS this was statistically K-State's best defense in 7 years allowing 368.4 yards Per game. But those weren't really the important numbers for this team. Scoring defense ranked 27th in the FBS. And as D. Scott wrote, you'll want to sit down for this one. K State finished with its fewest points per game at 21.4 in a season since 2003. That's right, the Big 12 championship team of 2003. First down defense, Kansas State ranked 15th in the FBS. K-State gave up the fewest average first downs during any season in school history. The Wildcats allowed just 17.2 first downs per game, which ranked second in the Big 12 this season. And then the big number was third down conversion defense. Kansas State ranked second. In all of college football, the FBS level, no team in history seemingly has done better. K-State finished second nationally in allowing just 28% conversion, 42 of 150 on third down. But the Wildcats did lead the nation in allowing just 42 total first downs on third down in 2019. This Scotty Hazleton defense did the two things that you want the most from the defense. At the end of the day, Riley... The number of yards allowed, which is how you measure total defense, isn't the important statistic. No. Did you get them off the field on third down, and did you keep them off the scoreboard? K-State was really good in both of those factors, and I think what he did at Kansas State probably translates very well to the Big Ten. Yeah, I mean, I,
4: I definitely think so. Everybody talks about Big 12 can't play any defense, but this was the example. Hey, the Big 12 can play defense. Aside from the fourth quarter uh, against Oklahoma, where KC kind of sat back, they were kind of playing, you know, hey, let's not blow this big lead. You take that quarter out of it, they shut down Jalen Hurts and CeeDee Lamb and those guys. I mean, off the top of my head, I don't don't even know if they had 20 points going into that fourth quarter. Uh, Obviously, like you said, the yardage numbers are not important. You can go for 500 yards for all I care. Did you score points or did you not score points? And and K-State did a really good job of not letting them score points.
2: Previously at Kansas State, there was a lot of bend but don't break. They would give up huge chunks of yards and and keep the offensive scoring for the opposing team down enough where – Case they could outscore them and win. But this was something different. They really maintained a hard line on opposing offenses. They didn't let the points get away from them very often. They did a marvelous job. And this was the most amazing thing. He walked the line of being aggressive without gambling. He had a very aggressive pre snap posture, which showed quarterbacks something that may not be happening post-snap. They did an incredible job of that. They confused quarterbacks at the line of scrimmage as much as doing things post-snap with getting after the quarterback. And when they did blitz, they were surprises. And that's been a long-time thing with Kansas State fans. Everyone in the stadium knew when K-State was blitzing in the past. That changed under Scotty Hazleton. They did not take a lot of chances, but they did dictate the pace and physicality of the game at times to the opposing offense
4: yeah that interception at KU uh Daquan Patton you know where he just kind of knew exactly where the play was going but you didn't really know that Daquan knew until he showed it you know yeah. when, he, when he broke on that ball I think that's the play that like I'll really think back and say like hey Scotty Hazleton he knew what he was doing man Had him prepared uh, he he always had him ready to go he always had him locked in physically and mentally yeah, I mean, it hurts. It hurts if this ends up going all the way through and, and he does end up accepting this job. It, it's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt. So definitely not something you ever want to see, you know, whether it's December 1st or it's February 27th.
2: But it really hurts that it's February 27th, in my opinion. Let's recap how Scotty Hazelton arrived in Manhattan. He had worked at North Dakota State had left North Dakota State, and then Craig Bolt brought him in when he went to Wyoming as defensive coordinator there. And it was very intriguing to me that he was not Kansas State's first choice as defensive coordinator. Chris Kleiman offered Ted Monacino, who ended up accepting a job with the Bears as a linebacker coach, is still there. And then they went, circled back around. They had talked to Scotty Hazleton, circled back around, and finally found an agreement where Scotty would come to Kansas State. And here's why he accepted the job at Kansas State.
3: You know, really, uh, at first, it was, it, was, it was Chris. Of course, yeah. You know, um, like, <laughs> you know, in the coaching profession, sometimes we joke that th- there's, like, there's head coach you know? Like, guys who you worked with are... Uh, they're great dudes. Like, you hang out with them, you drink beer with them, you watch Soup Bowl, everything's great, and, you know, you can be in a meeting room and, and talk trash to each other and tell each other how stupid your ideas are and stuff like that, and... uh and then they become the head coach and they... Everything changes. Oh, instantly n- they're know-it-alls. You, you know, they like their ideas are the only ideas that matter and stuff like that. And uh, and Chris is just a guy. You know, he's mm-hmm. a great dude. He's he's the same guy whether he is, you know, uh, I met him in uh, in like a Denny's in Iowa at one point. I can't even remember what town we were in. And uh, we hung out and talked for a while and he's the same guy then as he was when... You know, he's the secondary coach at NDSU or the defense coordinator at NDSU or the head coach at NDSU or the head coach here, and, 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 and it's and it's it's uncommon.
2: This is part of the business. Scotty mentions it quite a bit in our discussion in our Power Chat, and we'll link those up at Go Chat again, because with this new context, they're pretty interesting. It's kind of funny. <laughs> just a couple weeks ago when we sat down, he had no intention of leaving, and I can tell you this, his wife Brooke had no intention of them leaving, and we'll get to that in a little bit, but Let's just take the hypothetical real briefly that he's going to leave. Let's just take that. We think it's going to happen. There's still a chance it won't happen. But if it does, what next? And the simple truth of it, Riley, is Kansas State is in a position right now where it cannot pay coordinators at a level in which they can retain guys like Scotty Hazleton. Kansas State simply can't pay a coordinator a million-plus. No. They just don't have the budget for that. And, frankly, you can look around this conference and find position coaches getting paid like money or more money than Kansas State's coordinators, and that's very frustrating. But that's a reality of the budget when you're Kansas State University, one of the smaller schools in the Big 12 Conference. I, I just think you got to know – who you are know what your your situation is Uh,
4: yes in a perfect world you say as a fan pay scotty hazelton whatever he wants he was great at defense the defense is great under him and and that's the guy you need to lead the defense it's great to say but you got to have the money there you got to have the have the ability to do it without handicapping everything else i mean you know let's just if you want to play hypotheticals okay k-state pays you matches the michigan state offer Scotty Hazelton stays. You're not going to have a whole lot of money left in the bank to continue to treat your other nine coaches well, or retain them when they get better offers. If you really want them, you know, if a guy like uh, Joe Klanderman, who who the safeties had success under, if he gets a better offer eventually, you're not going to be able to keep him around. So it's tough to lose a guy like Scotty Hazelton. But I think you got to take a step back and you got to do what's right for K State overall in the future, and not just say, okay, somebody tried to come poach Scotty. Let's do whatever we can to keep him, even if it's, you know, way out of the, the realm of, of realistic.
2: With that in mind, let's tick off a few possible scenarios here, possible scenarios. One, you mentioned Joe Klanderman just there. Is it possible that he just stays in-house, promotes Joe Klanderman, and then hires a linebacker coach, like a Grant Olson who was on our original list as a possible coach here and ended up moving from Indiana State and then now is at NDSU as linebacker coach, I guess that's one possibility. Or it could be Van Malone, a guy with coordinator experience but only one year with climbing. Does he promote from within and then hire a linebacker coach? That's scenario one. Or does he go get someone that he's worked with? And the perfect example of that is Jamar Kane, who was a D.C. out at Fresno State, moved around and was just hired as the defensive end and linebackers coach at Oklahoma. Just hired. And from what we can tell, he's probably getting paid about the same money that Scotty Hazleton was at Kansas State. So does he try to go get Kane to leave Oklahoma after a month? I mean, that's not unheard of. It's happened around college football. But can they offer him enough to entice him to move? Because it would seem like there might be some mobility at the Oklahoma staff to move up. I'm saying I I would think some of these Oklahoma coaches are going to end up head coaches pretty soon. I think it's great on paper. I think it sounds
4: ideal. I worry that that number is going to be too high. Yeah, or
2: Um, Oklahoma just...
4: Yeah, I mean, I I don't think Oklahoma broke the bank on Jamar Cain. No. So I think that his ceiling could go up even further. You're behind the eight ball right now. Let's be honest here. Oklahoma's bottom is K-State's top. Yeah. Pretty much right now on their their pay scale. Yeah. And I don't think that there's really a hiring scenario out there that K-State can do where it seems like, hey, we're still on the same level here. Something's going to have to be, you know, kind of a lower-end coach. Not really thought of initially. Uh, you know, Buddy Wyatt for is a great example of what happened there. We didn't really have Buddy Wyatt as a great candidate up there. He's obviously not being paid tons of money, so I don't know if he was necessarily one of the top choices. But sometimes you're kind of left in interesting situations right. where you gotta, you can't necessarily go get your top choice. You got to go down the list a little bit. I think that might be the situation K State's in. Whether that is whether that's hiring a, a defensive coordinator from the outside or whether that's hiring a position coach to come in and replace whatever position coach you promote to the defensive coordinator.
2: Let's move a couple pieces off the table. Blake Seiler, that's a name that came up immediately, a coach that was retained initially by Kleiman, and Blake chose to go to West Virginia under Neil Brown and now has left West Virginia to be defensive coordinator at Old Dominion under old friend alert Ricky Ronnie, who was named head coach there, leaving Penn State. I don't see that. I don't see... Kleiman rewarding a guy who left his program. I think they probably will just look at other options. Ironically, if Blake had stayed put, he would probably be defensive coordinator as soon as Scotty Hazelton left. Yeah. Ironically. The other piece, let's move off the table, is Joe Bob Clements. There is no connection between Chris Kleiman and Joe Bob, and probably the salary becomes a deterrent because I think at Oklahoma State, Shocking, he's getting paid significantly more than what Kansas State pays its defensive coordinator to coach the defensive line. Sad but true. And it comes back to this. This is now Chris Kleiman's program, and we all have an instinct to recall great coaches that might want to come back to Kansas State, but they don't have connections to Kleiman. They have a connection to the school, and it's his job to do the hire. I would think with that said your time is better spent looking through the FCS ranks for a possible hire, someone certainly that would not demand the high money, and that Kleiman might respect tremendously for the job they've done at whatever school it is, because, Riley, football is football. It will not be Matt Entz, the head coach at North Dakota State. Because of Kleiman's success, I think Matt Entz is a year or two away from being a head coach at the FBS level, if not the Power Five level.
4: If he rattles off one more, like another national championship
2: next year, it might happen. And Kleiman continues to progress. He's kind of tied to Kleiman, ironically. If Kleiman tanks, People will cool off on Ints, but if Kleiman continues his climb at Kansas State and has good years while he's winning national championships, boy does he become very tangible. He's not moving. He's absolutely not moving. And the defense corner at North Dakota States and Ents guy, no connection there. So you start kind of surfing through possible overlays, and we came up with Jeremiah Johnson at Northern Iowa. They worked together at Northern Iowa. He stayed at Northern Iowa. He has ascended to defensive coordinator at Northern Iowa. I I don't know. What's interesting about him, Riley, is he's a KU guy. (laughs) He went to KU, he's from Lawrence, but that kind of fits the mold of what I think he will be looking for in a defense coordinator. If he goes outside of his current staff,
4: or even just a, a position coach, you know, yeah, like you said, I think he could come in and, you know, let's say hypothetically he does the promotion of of Joe Klanderman to defensive coordinator, hold down your safeties title. Okay, I got to go get a linebacker coach. Well, there's an FCS possibility right there. It does strike me a lot, you know, whatever route it is, whether it's a defensive coordinator hire or a position coach hire, it does strike me as a hire that might end up becoming a, I'm going to give you a chance type of thing. What coaches are out there on February 27th that are really looking to make a big move right now that are at the power five level right now? I don't really think that there's a lot of those out there. I think his, his market's going to be limited and I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. I mean, uh, uh, yeah, it's a little scary to go hire a, a coordinator, a position coach for the Power Fives straight from, uh, like, say, northern Iowa. But you might have just struck gold again. You might have got the next Scotty Hazleton. You just never know on something like that. It seems cheap. It seems easy. And it seems like it could be something that really pays off in the long run. It wouldn't shock me if that's the route he goes. And I would definitely say if you take the the list of candidates out there that everybody's kind
2: of starting to throw together right now, he would probably be near the top. Exactly. You can go through the list. There's a lot of names out there. And if this becomes official... If Scotty Hazelton makes the move to Michigan State and there is officially a job open, we will immediately offer a hot board. We're just throwing out a few names. I know one guy you and I liked was Brian Newberry, the defensive coordinator at Navy. I think fans can agree they liked what Navy did defensively against Kansas State, maybe with lesser talent. They were very aggressive in posture. He might have done different things, but I think the core philosophy was the same for Newberry as Hazelton showed. Let's confuse him before the snap of the ball and show him something different. He's intriguing because he's been at Navy now two years. Before that, the FCS level at Kennesaw State. So I would imagine between Chris Kleiman coaching at that level and Gene Taylor being so tightly connected to Navy – He's well-known to both men. And
4: let's not forget the fact that Navy's defense caused a lot of problems for K-State. Caused Just a lot what, of
2: problems for almost everyone they played outside of Notre Dame.
4: Yeah, exactly. And so, I, I, honestly, I think it would be a great hire. I would love that. I I was impressed with him before the Navy even took the field yeah. in the Liberty Bowl. Just kind of his demeanor, it, um, his confidence in his in his defense. I, I really, really like it. Um, I think he'd be a terrific hire. Now, are, are, are we stretching things a little bit? By saying, oh, Gene Taylor has Navy connections, maybe a little bit. It's been a while, but also I don't think it's necessarily – out of the question. It's close to the head coach. Right. I don't think it's so far removed from the situation that, that you say, well, well, Gene hasn't been at Navy in in this many years. I think it's just as realistic as him going and hiring Johnson. So I, I really think that he's, he could be a realistic candidate for sure.
2: That's very, very intriguing. We will continue to monitor this at gopowercat.com and heck, by the time we're off this podcast and get it posted, it might be official. We don't know. And as we wrap up this first half of this breaking podcast, let's hear from Scotty Hazleton on why he decided to come to K State and the decision making process in making the move. And it came down to family and a table vote. We'll find out now if the money speaks louder or being happy in Manhattan speaks louder. Here's Scotty Hazleton.
3: It was more like a a family deal. You know, I mean I got my mom's advice too. I I I talked to the kids and, you know, they were kind of split on the idea. You know, my wife, she's got really good friends that were on the staff up there at Wyoming and and uh, people we'd known for a long time, and uh, so I think I think it's I think every move you
2: make is is a tough decision. You know, you know, Especially I when the kids get older, that yeah, I mean, they're you're getting invested now. You're getting close to yeah. high school, and
3: you know, we our, our oldest still goes back to Jacksonville and sees her friends, and and our 12 year old still you know wants to go to Laramie all the time. You know, we sent her there this summer and stuff like that. When they got breaks, they they travel to and go see their friends from wherever in, in the world they're from, you know. Yeah. Um, but it, it becomes that, it becomes more of a family deal, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a deal that, you know, ultimately the decision comes down to you, but you, you do get everybody's, everybody's thoughts and, and kind of what they think and everyone went to a place and this is what good and bad. And,
2: We'll be right back with the second half of this breaking podcast. You've got questions, we've got answers. Questions from Wabash Station are up next.
1: Stay locked in. The PowerCat Podcast will be right back.
0: Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild, conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: We now send it back to Fitz in the WTC gig-powered studios.
2: Welcome back to this PowerCat breaking podcast. Scotty Hazleton is the leading candidate for the defensive coordinator job at Michigan State and may be departing Kansas State. Just a few weeks ago when we spoke to Scotty, he seemed pretty set. The family seemed set in Manhattan. But apparently the offer to go to Lansing, Michigan is worth more than a million dollars for the coordinator position. As we've reported at Go Cat, it is not a done deal as of this moment. But it looks like it might get done, and we will see how that progresses, and we will be following that closely at GPC. Now let's throw the door open here for some questions from Wabash Station. I know fans are in a tizzy. I think we're all a little bit shocked by this. Riley, give us our first one. CFI asks, how the bleep did we lose Scotty Hazleton
4: after one year? Did K-State even try to counter, or did they just let him walk?
2: Yeah, I I mean, from what we were told, our source said, yeah, they wanted to counter, but they simply cannot pay a coordinator a million plus. Now, does the possibility of, of upping him as much as you can and them not having to make the move, maybe that gets it done? I don't know, but our source seemed pretty resigned to the fact that they weren't going to be able to offer a number that would sway the decision in their favor. We'll see. you got to think about this.
4: Put yourself in Gene Taylor's shoes. Does it make a lot of sense to double a defensive coordinator's salary when I'm sure that i am he's made 550. I'm sure that 550 wasn't the number they wanted to give him initially. You know, that took some time to get to that point. Do you really want to double it after one year? Even if it's in the budget, it's a it's a tough decision to make. I don't envy Gene Taylor in that decision, even if he got the
2: green light on it. Well, the budget of Kansas State has been tight this year as they paid off Bill Snyder, paid off the assistant coaches who had the two-year deals and had one year remaining. So, yes, money is freeing up, but they had already earmarked other things to do with that money, including expanding the recruiting staff. And they've got a lot of building projects. Mm-hmm. They've got a lot of things that they're doing right now. And it's intriguing to me plus, I'm just going to say it, Gene Taylor has to be a good steward of the financial well-being of Kansas State Athletics, and is it possible in the next 15, 24 months, he will be buying out a basketball coach's contract? I'm just going to say that, and if you're Gene Taylor, you have to be planning ahead what if. You can't get to the point where you need to make a change and say, well, we can't because we can't afford it. That's that's horrible stewardship of the money at Kansas State. The truth is K-State is what it is. It can't match the dollars right now of some of these institutions with a far bigger donor base. And a lot more money coming in from different sources. Adam K63,
4: are you surprised that Scotty Hazleton might be leaving after one year considering how much he and his family like the area? I'm a little bit
2: surprised, but money's money, man. I mean, this this is setting you up for life money uh, pretty quickly, particularly if you entrench yourself. You know, maybe Scotty is wired like Brent Fennables and just wants to be a coordinator. If he is successful at Michigan State, they will continue to pay him money or he will go to a place where we'll pay him what used to be head coach money with like $2 million a season for Venables. That's pretty good money not to be uh, bothered by all the head coach duties. Well, and and I'll just say this. When we
4: talked to Scott Hazleton in the power chat, yeah, it sounds like he loves Manhattan and it sounds like his family loves Manhattan. But let's also be real here. They've been here for 12 months. That's it. Yep. They have not been here that long. I'm sure uh, their their initial impressions were great. I'm sure this year was great to them. But who's to say in two years they like it after that? At the end of the day, this was a a very small stopping point in Scotty Hazleton's career. And it's not a place that's going to become his quote-unquote home in that short amount of time. That's just, the, that's just the fact of it. No matter how nice Manhattan is, that's kind of the situation you're in. So it might be tough to continue to move but it's also not tough to leave a place you've hardly been at for a
2: year. In the first half of this podcast, we had sound clips from Hazleton's Power Chat. One of the things he did mention during the course of that Power Chat is Kansas State is his 11th stop, 11th different destination in 22 years of coaching. That's every two years. And Michigan State going into East Lansing would be number 12 and 23. That's unbelievable. And if you're a K-Stater, you're hoping that helps weigh the decision not to make the move.
4: Got a few questions coming up here that we kind of already touched on in the first half, so we probably won't go as in-depth on the question since we already answered it. Jim Cat, do we really need to have the lowest paid football coaches? I understand this is a new staff, so you don't have to start at top pay, but dang.
2: Yeah, I agree. They need to get all their salaries up. This is the arms race. This is how it's difficult for Kansas State to compete at this level. They've got to keep the facilities up, and now they've got the facilities going up at the cost of the coaches. You're kind of putting out fires all the time if you're Gene Taylor with the budget. What I find interesting about this is Kansas State keeps a very lean athletic department. They have far fewer people in administration than other schools. I know Kansas has significantly more people in their department, administrators, than Kansas State. They do a good job of really running a lean budget at Kansas State, and they're also self-sufficient. Keep that in mind, people. They are not getting a single dollar from Kansas State University, and they're staying profitable while doing it. This is maybe some of the cost. They are doing the responsible thing in a fiscal manner to stay on the right side of the ledger and not lose money as a business so it's tough to say but they can't just say hey we want to pay this a million dollars president Myers, can you kick us some money because that is not happening nor should it be happening in the current environment of money for education being so scarce kansas state's doing this right but they're really struggling to compete. And as we mentioned, rally they're still paying off some of these contracts. You just wrote a big check to Bill Snyder. Whether it was a lump sum or they're doing it on payments, I'm not sure. But it still hurts you. It still sets you back. You might have had to borrow to do it. you got to get that paid off. No business, unless you're a giant business, has $3 million just sitting around to write a check. Mm-hmm. If you do... I want to talk to you about I'd a job. I'd love to have a chat. Right. The reality is Kansas State has the budget that they have and this is going to happen. But you're right. I think they can up it enough where they're not the bottom of the Big 12. Joko Cat 67
4: Van Malone has been a coordinator before. Internally is Joe Clanerman or Van Malone
2: more likely? You know, I actually don't know the answer to that. You know, that really gets into the dynamics of this coaching staff. Did Van Malone so impress Chris Kleiman in their one year together that he says, yeah, Van, you're the guy. You've done this before. Let's run with it. Let's go hire a linebacker coach uh, and let's go forward. Or does he stick with the guy that came with him from North Dakota State, who he's known a long time. We're impressed by both guys. It's not like we have a favorite between the two. We really liked both guys. In fact, we like everyone on the staff. They both kind of jump out at you when you meet them. Klanderman has an interesting, thoughtful demeanor about him. He would be a good hire, but he's never done it before. It really comes down to what Chris Kleiman thinks is most prudent for the job. And keep in mind, he's also a defensive coordinator himself, so he probably can have on-the-job training if he wants to go with Klanderman. Aside from Chris Kleiman
4: himself, the coach that people bring up the most when you talk to recruits or new signees about the recruiting process is Joe Klanderman. Everybody apparently loves Joe Klanderman yeah. on the trail. Um, we know he can really kind of go out there and, and hit the trail really hard, get guys. I, my, that's what my gut says. My gut says Joe Klanderman. When I say this, it sounds like I'm saying he's not comfortable with Van Malone, but you're a lot more comfortable with the guy you've been with
2: for multiple years rather than just one year. I'm sure he has complete trust in you You broke Malone. a lot of bread with Joe Klanderman. Yeah. You've sat a lot of times with the families around a table or at the lake or whatever else you've done as workmates, I think he'd be comfortable with Van Malone. I I think he's more comfortable with Joe Klanderman. I would be comfortable with either one. And I have to admit, a weekly press conference with Van Malone would be absolutely (laughs) fantastic. (laughs) Absolutely fantastic. I love both guys. I can see him doing, if I had to guess people, this is what he'll do. One of those two guys will be defensive coordinator, and they'll get a young linebackers coach that they can pay at the rate that Kansas State can pay, and hopefully that'll continue things in the right direction. I think Scotty Hazleton put out a nice little template for what Kansas State should be doing defensively, and I think either one of those coaches can come in with their own flair and operate the same type of defense. Powercat Ryan, if you hire from within the staff, do you look
4: for the best position coach or the best defensive minded recruiter in an either
2: or scenario? It's tough. I mean I don't I don't really think all the pieces one have to fit together. More. I mean, I would think if you identify a coach, for example, the Navy coach Newberry, he's a defensive backs coach. Someone can roll up to coach linebackers. I mean coaches are coaches. We look through a number of names that pop up, and you can see the guys that might be coaching defensive line now, they've coached linebackers in the past. So it's it's intriguing. I think it would be best probably just to stick with what you got and hire a linebacker coach, but it just depends on how the pieces all fit together. I think if you're hiring for recruiters, I think you're putting yourself in a tough situation. Oh, you're hiring a football coach first. Yeah. and a, And the ability to recruit – is a secondary piece to that. You're Col- not going to hire someone that says, I, I'm not a very good recruiter. That's going to be part of the equation, but not the lead item. Call, hire, hire a coach
4: you know can coach on the field, then worry about the recruiting. Emo Wildcat
2: 82, do we look to North Dakota State to fill the vacancy? I think you look at the FCS level, but there's just no one left at North Dakota State. That place has had an incredible overturn since Bowl left and now Kleiman left. And Matt Entz has brought in a lot of his guys that have ties to him and not necessarily North Dakota State. So I don't think so. Outside of Olsen maybe coming as a linebacker coach, I don't think you're going to find your D coordinator up there. Purple powerhouse, who is on the short list? Do we hire from within or go outside? We yeah. talked about that a lot in the first half. That's the first decision that Chris Kleiman needs to make. You know, it's an awkward time. Are we going to have a full search and go outside? Who knows, people? you You just don't know. Coaches keep a list of in their head. It may not be written down, but if I ever have an opening, I'm going to call this guy. And maybe over the course of this year, he realized, I need to get in contact with this guy. And he goes, I'm just going to call him, see if he's interested. Mm -hmm. So you don't know what's going on inside of Chris's head, but that's the first decision he needs to make. Do I play it safe and hire from within? And maybe that's exactly the right thing to do. The safe decision doesn't mean it's the wrong decision. Maybe you can get over-creative with this and blow up great continuity you have in your meeting rooms. We'll see. We'll see how he handles it. I don't think this will be prolonged. Maybe they run a trial course. Maybe Van Malone and Joe
4: Clannerman both do a little bit of work in the in spring football and he kind of waits and sees, okay, who do I think could handle this better? I don't know. I'm just kind of yeah. – this is not a position we've ever been in before
2: yeah. uh, here covering K-State. Well, yeah. I mean, it's not a position with Kleiman. We don't know how he would react. We kind of knew the Snyder game plan on this. Yeah. Luck to his history or luck to a veteran coach that was available. This is going to be a younger guy, under 50. Maybe if they go linebacker coach, under 35. As they try to stay young and and dynamic on the recruiting trail. K Ned
4: asks, is the spiraling football assistant coach salaries the case against spending $17 million on a volleyball arena and adding maintenance expenses to the budget? I want to be fair to all sports, but it seems like we could have saved some money for Hazleton. I see his point,
2: but the thing you have to understand is using your basketball facility for volleyball isn't ideal. And a lot of places are going to smaller arenas that are more of a metal building, unfortunately. Texas, of course, can afford to build their own thing. And I think they have donors to build a volleyball facility. It won't be overwhelmingly big. And it might have multi-purpose opportunities to it for small concerts or whatever that you might want to put in there. But a Hearn Fieldhouse is gone. They just have to get out of that as soon as they can. The money isn't in the budget to keep it up. The university owns that building and is not fixing things that have fallen in ill repair, and athletics needs to get out of it. That means you have to identify a new building for volleyball and a new building for indoor track. You've got to move on that as soon as possible. The indoor track will move to the current indoor football. Which is really cool. It's right next to the outdoor track, so that'll be ideal. As, as soon as football has their new indoor facility, and volleyball will sit there where Cat Town is, and be connected to an Olympic sports training facility for all of those sports to have one centralized training facility. It's aggressive, but it's it's a good way to attack things if you're Kansas State in the short term. Yeah, it creates some budget things here, uh, even though money's getting paid from donors. That means the donors aren't giving it into the general fund. I agree with your point, but if Kansas State wants to sponsor these sports, they need to be responsible to the athletes and families to give them the resources they need to compete. I never want to see what K State did to baseball for so long. They should have dropped baseball instead of having that. Absurd facility problem they had at Frank Myers Field. No locker rooms. Players would dress in the parking lot, and the head coach would stand in the porta potty line during the game. That's the alternative here, because you're going to have. I don't see them moving volleyball into Bramlage Coliseum. It just creates a lot of problems. Yeah, that's kind of where I was going. Look, I'm I'm not
4: I'm not stupid. I know football makes the money. I know you need to prioritize football above everything else because of that, but. I think it sends a very bad message, and it, it it sends your other programs in a downward spiral if you don't put some money into them. Sure, you saved your defensive coordinator, or hey, you have the most amazing football facilities in the world. But if your volleyball program is terrible and your baseball team is losing games and your women's basketball, you know—you need to allocate money to these other programs even though they are not as popular as football. Otherwise, your department is going to be,
2: hey, we're a football school and everything else is a joke. Keep in mind that by abandoning a Hearn Fieldhouse, you're not just losing the competition area. That's also where they practice and have their locker rooms. You have to have a place for that, and that's not Bramlage. You can't have practice in there, and they certainly don't have the locker room space because the way that place was built. Let's wrap up this
4: podcast with one more question from Kned. If we do not raise the assistant coach salary pool, what impact do you think that has on Chris Kleiman's long-range plans?
2: Loyalty to Gene Taylor will not go on forever. Well, there's some truth in this. I mean, if they continue to have success, they will continue to get rated. And I don't think this is a long-term thing. Now, let me say this. Kansas State's not going to be able to pay the levels of Texas or, you know, those type of programs, including Oklahoma. But there will be an ability to match Oklahoma State. I believe that. If Kansas State football continues to succeed, the revenue will rise. Revenue's down. Attendance was down. Ticket sales were down. Some of this lies at the feet of the fans. Ticket sales were down this season. Now, I expect them to be up next year, and they're going to be able to raise the prices. So once revenues start to rise up and they stabilize by not having big payouts to existing contracts, I think they will be able to get these contracts up, but now's not the moment, unfortunately. And you just have to sit there and hope, of Gates, that the Hazleton family decides they want to stay in Manhattan. But I suspect the decision will be go to East Lansing. For a million different reasons,
4: i i don't want to I don't want to assume what anybody would ever do. Uh, I know that a lot of people out there have been in situations where the money might be better. But do you want to stay where you're comfortable? I get it, but if you can get a doubled salary.
2: I think it might be better to do that. And let's just say this. East Lansing's a pretty darn good college town. <laughs> well, that's it for this breaking podcast. We will keep you updated at GoPowerCat.com as the situation develops with Scotty Hazleton. And if he does move on, we will monitor that coaching search very in-depth with a hot board immediately going up on the site.
1: You've been listening to the PowerCat Breaking Podcast presented by 24-7 Sports. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street Publishing.